Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to Late Night Football. Welcome to our... Uh, weekend preview episode weren't able to do the champions league review yesterday but that was a bit sad because i actually got some interesting stories that came out of that but we'll try to touch at least on the premier league teams uh for, for this show so we'll try to do that uh obviously we're going to talk about arsenal and they're not in the champions league so no no nothing there but uh other, other, other teams we'll talk about. i'm kidding i'm kidding i joke i digress anyway let's talk yeah. about this I know. I, I don't know if you call it anyway on that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. Well, if you watch the show regularly, you know we kind of take dicks at all clubs. So anyway, yeah. we'll get into it. We'll get right into it. We'll start with the Everton against Manchester United since that's the first game that's coming up. Sahil, um, I was going to ask this yesterday, but we couldn't ask it. It. I mean, if 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 he had lost that game, if Solskjaer had lost that game against um, uh, Villarreal, we would have probably started using the C word, the crisis word. But it's, I mean, the, the, yeah, the C word, the crisis word. But uh, it seems to have avoided it just for a little while. Uh, but there are issues uh, with with the with the way the team is playing. Yeah, and I think this is that's this happened. This has happened a lot before, right? Like you think so, so it's about to be sacked, and he just like somehow something like it's either either like he gets to see the performer, like some individual just like comes in saves uh saves the game saves the game mm-hmm. that you think that his job is on the line for, and um uh, that's happened again. But obviously there were a lot of underlying issues. Uh, defensively, we still seem to be very very uh undercooked and undercoached. Uh. I, and obviously offensively also you don't think it's 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 more it's like it's very uh it it seems very 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 distorted doesn't seem very uh, cohesive as as a unit um pressing also seems to be all, all over the place so yeah lots of issues and uh, i guess ever uh, uh which i think will be even more visible against a team like everton who will probably over to a low block uh, against united knowing how rafa coaches yeah yeah i mean it's it's just surprising. I mean, you talk about the fact, I don't think he would have been close to sack anyway. I mean, I don't think the Champions League is going to be where his uh, season will be defined. I think that will be in the league. But just the fact that they would have had four out of five that they have not won, I think would have probably created some problems. But, uh, and he pulled out a win. Uh, speaking of Everton, I mean, they're going to not have, uh, they've actually had a good start to the season, by the way. And in fact, if they do win, they will actually go top of the table for a few hours at least. They will be top of the table if they win. So, I mean, as much as we talked about Everton struggling, they seem to be doing fairly well for themselves. I mean, they've been hit by injuries, but they seem to be doing fairly well at the moment. Yeah, if I'm not wrong, uh, this was the same situation with them early last year as well. They they started they start good. They had Rodriguez go firing for them in the initial part, and then they fade away. So, uh, I'll not read too much into it. I don't think Everton's going to be in somewhere near top six this season as well. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, of course, injuries, they will not have Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's not available. Richarlison is not available. Um, so, who's going to play striker is going to be anyone's guess. At, but they do have Andrew Townsend and Amari Creative starting well. So, that's going to be the wing issues. And Luke Shaw's not playing. So, Alex Telles is going to have to do the job that he doesn't like to do, which is defending. I don't know um, <laughs> how that's going to go. Uh, but, I mean, Van Bissaka will come back. And Sahil, I mean, I was disappointed with Dalu because I really thought he could have pushed. But... Based on the way he played against Villarreal, I don't think he's competition for Van Bissaka on that right side. 
that is not the kind of competition that you would expect because he was completely all over the place. Yeah, uh, Dalo. Uh, he also like I don't think he did very well offensively either, like like he had done in the game before. But um, I think defensive or uh, defensively. It, like even Van Bissaka, I think our our right backs always seem to play a little narrower than they should be. At least like from the layman's perspective, they seem to be like very very close to the right right centre back. So I don't know. Again, like going back, I don't know if it's the Dalo issue or it's the coaching issue because Dalo seemed to be doing just fine last season as a backup right back at AC Milan. Like I didn't like obviously I didn't watch much of AC Milan, but like I didn't see anywhere that oh Dalo is like defensively suspect like like how we seen in the last couple of games, right? So. Again, like I think it it might be like more of a coaching and tactical issue instead of a instead of like obviously Dalo isn't the greatest defensively, but I think his weaknesses have been have been exaggerated. I've been like probably put more into focus uh because of the way we uh he's been asked to defend or uh, the way he's been asked to position. Yeah, Maybe. I wonder if it's also tactical because normally when you play a back four, what usually happens is if the full backs push up, you have one of the mm-hmm. CDMs they drop in between yeah. the two center backs, so the center backs can go a little bit wider. And then yeah. you know the fullbacks are a bit wider, but I think neither Fred nor McTominay wants want to do that. They don't want to do it for whatever reason, and I can understand why they don't want to do it. But they don't want to do I, it because the centre backs have to stay narrow, and then the fullbacks have to stay narrow because they can't go wide. So I mean, it's just all kind of football yeah. tactics. We don't want to get too much into that. Uh, but uh, I mean, uh, the, the only other question I guess to ask now is you've got three players that are. I mean, Paul Pogba. I mean, there's there's a whole thing that I want to talk about, but I will leave it for another day. But uh, I mean, you've got Paul Pogba, you've got Jason, Jaden Sancho, and you've got Donny Van de Beek. Now, if you assume that um, Ron Ronaldo will start, you have to assume Greenwood will probably start. Um, you would assume Bruno definitely will start, and then you know the midfield is is uh, Fred and McTominay. Uh, they probably start for whatever reasons. God alone knows why they start, but they start. I mean, well, why both of them start? One of them should start, but why both of them start? Um, if you have to pick between Pogba, Donny Van de Beek, and Sancho for that one position, who would you pick at this point? Pogba any given day. You would okay. right now. Right now, I mean, he he's experienced. He's the most experienced among the three in EPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sancho's still growing, so he needs his time. Vanderbeek has never been given time, so I'm not sure how, how why anybody would pick him over Pogba for tomorrow's match anyway. You see, that's the thing. As right? you say, experience. You know, it's, it's that Thanos thing, right? Where he says, "I have experience," and Thanos says, "Do you call failure experience?" Right, I just mean we have experience. You know, I know people. I, I know. See, I know Pogba is a player who divides opinion across, uh, uh, you know, people and fans and all that. I just feel, I, I, right now, I feel that Paul Pogba. I think we have to accept it, and everybody has to accept it that he's a player who's going to have two good games and he's going to have three bad games. He's going to have three good games, four bad games. I think he's that kind of player, and I think he's yeah. now on that run that he's had his three good games and now he's going to have his four bad games. So I just feel like that's where Paul Pogba is at, and that's why I feel. I mean, I know. Oli doesn't wait Donny Van de Beek, so it's a, it's a useless question because I think we all know he won't stop no matter what he does. Um, but I mean, I just feel that maybe it's time for a change. I mean, you know, just, so, just based uh, on the fact that Pogba has been a bit off form the last few games. I do believe uh, Pogba is inconsistent, but it's it's very hard on him to say four bad games. It could be average. Average games, and we expect him to perform because the um, United paid a lot of money for him, right? But he, any other player, everybody has an up and down, and and that's how the game goes. So uh, you never know how Pogba turns up tomorrow. So uh, actually, this season he's been firing. Last last two three games, yes, he hasn't been firing, but uh, it, it's. It's just a game, right? And things come back. So I'll, I'll rate Pogba above the other two any given day. 
and and he should be starting. I mean, it's a no-brainer, even for Ole. Yeah, I mean, he probably will. I mean, I, I, you're right, I should say bad games. Average games, I guess. Two good games and three average games. It's just that consistency. When you say consistency, it's that wider difference. But anyway, uh, we'll go to predictions. Ayal, what's your prediction for this one? Uh, I think it's probably uh, under 2-0. 2-0 to United or Everton? No, United, 0-2. Okay, we have to be clear on that. But okay, 2-0 to United, stress says, I think it's going to be another very... Uh, we're going to just like get away with a 2-1 win. I have a feeling. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking it's going to be 2-1, but to Everton. That's what I'm thinking. Because I just... I mean, Everton are a team that for some reason always frustrate me. And I mean, last season, they were 2-0 up and then they managed to somehow draw it 3-3. The previous season before that, they had even a mistake and they got gave away a goal. So Everton always seemed to get away with you know, you say Ole gets away with it, I think Everton get away with points and wins where they don't deserve them against United. So, I just feel like it's only one of those 2-1 wins for Everton. That's what I think. I think I would have gone with 2 and Everton too, but just that uh, Kavit Lunas isn't playing, so there's no one to bully uh, Lindelof over there. Unless Rondon turns back to Klopp, Klopp, how we used to take for Newcastle. But... Yeah. That's, yeah, Rondon will probably play. And, uh, yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got two good wingers as well going forward. Yeah. So, they're, they're players. I think it's going to be hard. I mean, it's going to be come down. It's going to come down to the midfield, and unfortunately, our midfielders isn't it. And that is midfielders and inspire confidence uh, in the team. But anyway, we'll move on because uh, we've got a lot of other games to talk about. We've got Chelsea Southampton. Now, there's an interesting uh, thing that's going around about how Chelsea manage uh, are having these biblical uh, meltdowns that that are happening with uh, you know Mohammed and Jesus and Church and and Saints. So the, the Saints. Um, I don't know how to. I I I feel like it's a coincidence, but maybe there's something there. But uh, she says a bigger issue beyond all the biblical, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> biblical proportions happening, but uh, they're struggling. They've got two defeats on the bounce. They haven't scored a goal in either of them, which I think will be a bigger concern than the fact that they lost those two games. Uh, for a team that's supposed to be defensively solid, uh, is it just a matter of like, you know, you get a lucky, you can see the goal and, you know, you, the team can't score? Um, or is it something that's, that's, that they're, that's being exposed? I think... Uh... I think it's just difficult opposition they had, right? They, they played City and Juventus, they, both teams, and by no means less than Chelsea in terms of strength. So, uh, well, Juventus yeah, is I mean, a big table Serie A team at this point. Just, just, just to be clear on semantics, their manager true, said they're having true, a relegation if, at this point a couple yeah, of weeks. But, but, but they're Ita- yeah. and they are an Italian team, right? They're always solid in defense. So, yeah, I mean, so I don't think it, there's, there's a problem at Chelsea. Uh, to be honest, uh, the manager might be overthinking sometimes um, because of the tough oppositions. But against teams like Southampton, this, this should be clear, clear uh, cut results for them. And that's where the championship would be decided, to be honest. I, I thought something. Just remind me, because there's a gleam in my eyes. When you come to predictions, I'm going to say this. But anyway, it's very interesting you mentioned that. We'll, talk, we'll continue talking about Chelsea. Sahil, I mean, the one thing about Southampton that I saw when they played against United was they press high up the pitch. They're a very good team that presses. And that, you know, is going to be an issue for, for Chelsea to deal with. They even have to have players who are going to deal with that press. Um, they, I mean, the, 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 the key question, though, is how does that midfield work? Because at the moment, that three of Jorginho, Kovacic and Kante, they didn't work against City. I know Kante is probably out with COVID. So they have to bring somebody in. Is it the time to bring Sol Niguez in? I don't think he's played or he's kicked the ball yet, has he? Is it time to now bring him in the, the, this team in such a high-pressure game? I think Solnikas actually played for if minutes and he was hooked off because he was he was not comfortable at all in that Chelsea midfield. Uh, for the I think that was the first game he played after he signed. Uh, I forgot it was a Premier League as well, so oh. he definitely wasn't very comfortable. So uh, I don't think uh, I think they they would still go with uh, uh, 
Kovacs and Georginio and, and get I guess uh, Mason Mountain if he's if he's fit enough. Mason Mountain is available. I think he's injured. He's out. Oh, okay. I think so. We have to get Chaloba. I guess at this point, I don't. Because at least against yeah, uh, or I don't think he trusts uh, Ross Barkley or Ruben off to seek well. Uh, because that's mm-hmm. the players he he brought on uh, against Juventus, and I think they did okay. But like I don't think he trusts them to start to start the game against uh, against a team that would be pressing very very high in the in the Premier League. But um. I think Chelsea seem to be a little a, a very passive in midfield. They seem to be like uh, there's uh like they seem to be they seem to be boxed in and there's no one to link link the midfield uh to uh link the midfield and Lukaku. So obviously they need to be like probably uh, get get in more solutions to to see how they can practice the ball uh higher up from from midfield to uh, to the forward lines. Probably like Kai Havertz seems to be dropping more more in in between. Lukaku obviously has an arc of uh, dropping in between uh to to surprise forwards, but mm-hmm. I guess. I I think it's just like some seeding problems which should be fixed uh, when the team if the teams if the team like starts playing more regularly and like just something on a training ground that can be worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the big uh, uh, the big conundrum now would be Lukaku and Werner. Is it a strike force that works? It just feels like it's a strike force that's a bit out of sync with each other. Um, I mean Werner is horribly out of form at this point when it comes to to goal scoring, and then you've got Lukaku hasn't scored. Uh, you know who's always got question marks over him against whether he can score against big clubs. He's not playing against a big club to, to, to the, tomorrow, but uh, still, there's that question mark. Is it a strike force that works for you, Werner or Lukaku, or do you think you should try something else? Yeah, I think it it should work. They don't have Pulisic available for them, so that's the next best thing is Werner and Lukaku. Otherwise, I would try uh, swap uh, Werner with Pulisic. But uh, right now, what they have is, is what they have, and I I think this is the best one they can go with. Werner uh, to his. Uh, to his defense plays well on on the wings uh, he just needs to tie up things with lukaku and they should be fine yeah, yeah i mean that's something that yeah i mean werner has a knack of making runs which open up spaces right and lukaku is the one guy who can actually use the space so yeah the thing uh, is he does open he does make runs to open spaces but he also misses open goals so i don't know uh, it kind of balances out but uh, I mean, we'll see. Maybe Maynard has said that when is going to go and score a hat-trick this tomorrow. We don't know. But this is how, this is how football works. Uh, Sahil, what's your prediction for, for this one? Uh, I think this should be a 2-1 to Chelsea. It's going to be an easy game for them. Uh, Southampton should be like, if they produce anything like the City game, they should be very, very difficult to uh, to play around. And obviously, Chelsea are going to have to uh, think a lot, run a lot uh, in this game. So, But I think they should have, they should be, like Tuchel's going to make sure they have a response to the two, to the two defeats they had. So, 2-1 to Chelsea is my prediction. Straight, straight. 3-0. 3-0 to Chelsea? Yep. Yeah, to Chelsea. I mean, but, you know, yeah. I'm gonna, someone said that a game against Southampton is a walk in the park. If you all remember that a long time ago, Nishikan said that when United played Southampton, it's a walk in the park. So, you know what? In, that, in the spirit of it, it's going to be a walk in the park for Chelsea as well. It's going to be, I'm going to say it's going to be 3-0 as well. Uh, it's going to be a walk in the park. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, you know, that's a bit of a callback there because I just remember then you say, yeah, you know what? That's what uh, Nishikan had said about that. So, I'll say that. Fine, walk in the park for Chelsea, three nil. All right, okay, so we'll move on. Um, you know, I, and this is not based on any you know tactical knowledge or any footballing intelligence. I'm just saying this is random, but I will stick with it. Uh, all right, uh, we'll talk about uh, we'll change gears. We'll talk about uh, two teams. Uh, the, I think well, there's two big games: Wolves against Newcastle and Burnley against Norwich City. Not the glamorous games, but there are four teams who are going to be in and around that relegation fight. Um, so yes, we keep talking about Norwich are being uh, pretty much relegated. Uh, at this point, even even though it's only been six games, and we kind of feel like they're gonna get relegated. I mean, uh, Burnley have got to win this one, though, don't they? The fact is that if you if you don't pick up points against Norwich now, then it's it's it's, it's going to be a bad week. Yep, uh, totally agree there. Um, Norwich 
which uh, seems to be the smallest, I mean, the weakest team in, in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. um, so it should be, uh, Burnley should be winning this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with both Newcastle style, I mean, Newcastle are a team that keep uh, confounding us. I mean, you know, obviously think that they might get relegated and somehow, some way they find a way through. Uh, is this a season too far for them? Or I mean, they're coming up against a worst team who play very well, but don't score a lot of goals either. So, I mean, it's, it's again, another one where it could be a draw, but you feel one of them needs to win this one too, right? Just, just to ease yeah, pressure. I, I think for Newcastle, it all depends on Allen and Maximum. I think they're currently literally are Allen and Maximum FC. Like uh, after uh, Wilson got injured, he's the only one uh, driving them forward, sc scoring the goals. I think the last game they played, um, it was who was like who did Newcastle play in the last game? Because I actually watched watched parts of that game, and it was like literally the right winger for the other team versus Saint Maximum. I, I think yeah, it was Leeds against Newcastle. Awesome. It was like yeah, it was literally. Oh, sorry, the game before that, it was literally like Rafinha. Oh, yeah, it was Rafinha versus Saint Maximan, like who, who could create more uh, more moments of magic. So I think, I don't think, I think uh, given that Wolves seem to be a more cohesive outfit, and I think uh, given the way the performed results are bound to come at some point, um, because like I think they've just been a little more unlucky, a little more unlucky than uh, than, than average. Uh, I think Adam Atraore has been actually decent this season, except for except that he can't really put the ball in the back of the net, but mm -hmm. he's been doing a, a, other things correctly. So yeah, I think Wolves should be looking to kick on. They did well in the last game against Southampton. They they got a win. Uh, um, I think Jimenez scoring should be important for him because he's coming back from that head injury, so he needs a little bit of confidence. So I think, uh, yeah, I am backing uh, Wolves for this game. I think uh, I think Newcastle. I want to say there's only two worst teams in Newcastle in this league. Uh, that's Norwich and Burnley. So I don't really have I unless Watford starts the. Uh, Starts collapsing. Uh, like at least on paper, I only see two worst teams in Newcastle. They, they, I think I have them as going down at this point. So you think Norwich and Burnley will certainly look and Burnley and Newcastle is the thing. Yeah. Go down. It's interesting. We, yeah, Burnley is another one of those that we keep talking about them going down. It's, they seem yeah. to pull a rabbit out of the, um, <laughs> you know, backsides when they need to. But uh, anyway, we'll see. We'll see this. That that is going to shape up to be an interesting battle. So five teams have not won a game though. By the way, that's uh, one to keep an eye on as well. And then the Leeds might be down there as well. Uh, uh, but anyway, we'll move on. We'll talk about Brighton against Arsenal. That's an interesting one, Brighton against Arsenal, because uh, again, if you said Brighton against Arsenal and with, with one team that could go top of the table with a win, you would you might think it's Arsenal, but actually it's Brighton, who if they win, they could go top of the table as well. Again, for a few hours only, but they might go top of the table. Uh, that's race. But I mean, let's just start with Arsenal. They've, they've kind of uh, pulled things together after that really, really bad start. Uh, that they had, that their season started in September. And so far, if you just take it from that, that they've done pretty well. Three wins out of three, they're, they're, they're flying high. Yep. Uh, I mean, we, we will take that, to be honest. Uh, this was what we were expecting. It, I mean, those three wins were kind of, uh, two out of three were expected. The third one was a pleasant surprise, right? Uh, but we would expect that from a team that Arsenal has right now. We should be winning games more often than, than losing them. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say we are not on track. We are on our way on uh, where we want to be. Uh, but uh, this one, I am expecting an easy Arsenal win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, wow. That's a, so, that might be a bold <laughs> prediction in some ways. An easy Arsenal win against Brighton. Uh, it's, maybe, it's maybe just a gut feeling, to be honest. It's just a gut feeling, to be honest. And, no, no, no. Yeah, you're, uh, you're, 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 more than, you're more than entitled to your opinion about, about having, yeah, uh, you know, an easy win for Arsenal. You know what? Optimism should never be, never be apologized for. It's good. I mean, it's not something that I'm familiar with because I'm never optimistic on my team, but, you know, I respect that. And somebody else has that. Uh, but Sahil, um, I think with just with regards to Arsenal, I mean, we talked about injuries and players coming back. 
Uh, and of course, they've now got Grand Jaka injured again, which some might say is a good thing, some might say is a bad thing. Um, either way, but uh, it looks like it looks like Arteta now finally has uh, the idea of the eleven that he wants to play. Maybe maybe there'll be tweaks and stuff based on the games, but it looks like he has an idea of what his best eleven is. Yeah, yeah. This seems very uh, reminiscent of Arteta when he first arrived. Like you know, I, like the initial team, they were very good at playing out from the back. I remember the FA Cup semi-final against Man City. Like they, the goal they scored was really really good against the team of that quality. I think it was Man City or Chelsea. I forget which one, but. Yeah, yeah, like that was like that. I was really uh, like I it, I still remember that goal because it was like really good to watch on the ice. So I think the goals against uh, against Spurs were kind of like at least the, on the chances created they were like kind of along those lines. So they seem to like Adra seems like a man with a plan. Like he doesn't seem someone like who doesn't really know what he's doing. Uh, and I guess with the players he has now that he has demanded from the board, um, he seems to be delivering. Uh, the thing is that I think Spurs have been a little flattered by the three wins they had. Uh. In in their opening three games, I don't think they were good enough to to win all three. Uh, which which is I guess which is reflected now, given that they've lost the three after that. So I think this will be uh, Arsenal's first test against uh, a test a first test against what I think is is like a solid opposition. So it will be interesting to see how Arteta can uh, how Arteta can like make his team play well against the team that actually wants to uh, like wants the ball and will be uh, won't be reluctant to press the players of the ball. Mm-hmm. That will be as Brighton against Brighton, obviously. Do rival Arsenal in a different way, like how one more pay did uh, to burn Leno and then scoring the goal. So it's you know, there's something about Brighton. You know, it's like Stoke in the past. Like it's something that rattled uh, Arsenal's skin and got in the Arsenal skin a little bit. Um, and I guess um, uh, say, say a final question for you, just with regards to to Arsenal. Now, apologies to Brighton fans. We're not talking a lot about Brighton, but just in terms of Arsenal, I think how key. I mean, just I mean, think of it from this perspective that Arsenal were the biggest spenders in the summer transfer window, right? When we look at it from one perspective, we look at it as the fact that they spend a lot of money. But at the same time, it's a team that's a work in progress. Uh, so I mean. Well, how do we judge Arsenal's season in that sense? Do we judge them as a team in progress, or do we judge them as the biggest spenders? Uh, you know, in, in this in the summer transfer window. No, I think we we would be a team in progress. We we haven't so we we did spend a lot of money, but if mm-hmm. you look at the first team, we just added one uh, one player who would walk into the eleven, which is Ben White, which by no means uh, has uh, reached his potential yet, right? So outside of that, we have got like two people. Um, those are backups. Lokonga is a backup for Yaka, and then uh, we got the uh, we got Tavares, which which isn't starting either, right? So we haven't improved our uh, first eleven as such. So I would it's say we are Alan uh, still. Alan Ramsdale has come in, he's improved, and then you got that yes, Tomiyasu guy who's also come in. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I think the signed players who improved the first team. Yeah, I mean two, right? I mean one fifty uh, million uh, for Arsenal mm-hmm. uh, is a big number, million. and if you look, if we look at the uh, kind of quality, yes, Ramsdale is an up- upgrade to Leno, mm-hmm. but not a big to be a uh, big upgrade to be honest. If if Leno would and uh, Ramsdale needs to be compared, uh, Ramsdale is probably twenty twenty five percent better than uh, Leno, but Leno was decent, right? We can't just say we had a very bad keeper and we upgraded to a good one. We had an above-average keeper, and we upgraded to a very good. 
ramsdale Um, all right, let's move on. Let's uh, let's uh, discuss. I think we're now moving on to Sunday games, and we've got uh, Tottenham against Aston Villa. Now that is a that's an interesting one. Tottenham against Aston Villa. It's a in in, in many cases it might be a non-distinct uh, mid-table clash, but actually this one is a lot riding on it because I not only as Spurs struggling, but the fact is Villa are now competition for one of those European spots just based on how they're playing. It's 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 going to be tough for them. Yeah, I don't think this is a good game for Tottenham to play if they want to like uh, get back to form because so Villa. I think like if Tottenham play uh, like try to defend deep, which they which they've done so far, Villa have enough players to like unlock the defenses. Like if you have someone like Buendia who hasn't like really fired, but like could be, but uh, but could uh, but, like it but like you you don't really like rule him out to like uh, to start unlocking defenses because he's done that in the Premier League before for Norwich. We have seen like glimpses of quality. So in in a team like Villa where where you have like uh, strikers like Danny Ings and uh, and Ollie Watkins. Um, I don't think it's it's I I think Villa would be fancy their chances to to get another three points on the board. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would I would say Villa probably might be slight favorites. Yeah. Also, uh, also Leon Bailey. Uh, I don't know if he's back fit, but like the one game he came on against Everton, he literally like blitzed them. Like he he came on, uh, he assisted, he scored. Um, he caused all the problems, got injured, and but he, it was like an amazing I think fifteen yeah. minute cameo. So it was a lot of fun to like just watch a, watch a player like that. Yeah, he's an expected yeah. Leon Bailey for sure. I mean, Stray, we were talking about Arteta getting sacked, but now it's it's the pressure is moving on to Nuno. I mean, how long do you think the board is going to be patient with him in terms of uh, his role at the club? Because he was clearly not first. He's clearly seven choice, six or seven choice, uh, whatever. You know, some people say nine choice, but I think six or seven choice, whatever he was. So, I mean, what is the patience with him? Uh, two factors, obviously. One, the fact that he wasn't the manager that they wanted. So they've got him in there. You know how long do they want to keep patient? The second, day, are they going to go back in and out and then try to find another manager who may want to come because all the managers rejected them? So there's not that many options either. So how long do you think they're going to give him? So um, looking at Levy's uh, track record, it doesn't have much patience either. Uh, I'm guessing two more game weeks for him, 
uh, he might buy a couple of more game weeks knowing Tottenham were not able to get a manager before. So, uh, but uh, I think it's it's coming near. If if he doesn't win win in the couple of weeks coming come up couple of weeks, he will be sacked. Yes. And rightly so. Tottenham uh, has lost like three games in the uh, in the league, yeah. and they have conceded like nine goals. Tottenham have mm-hmm. never been a team which concedes a lot of goals, so uh, it's surprising. And if if they can't win the next two, he should be sacked. Yeah, I mean the next two games aren't exactly uh, very easy for Spurs. They start off against Villa, and then after that they go up. Well, the next one is Newcastle. So, I mean, if he gets to the Villa one, um, he should see out Newcastle. I mean, if he does this as Newcastle, then that might be a sackable offence in itself. But uh, at this point, at least. But anyway, we'll see for that that Villa game. I mean, Sahil, uh Nuno doesn't strike me as a manager. I, I don't. I, I, is there a fit issue? Because I don't think he's a manager that's that's Spurs players want, let alone the board. I don't think the players want to play for him. I don't think they they see him as a manager that can win the best out of them. Yeah, this doesn't seem like a partition that's going to work out. I I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs just like uh, resort to damage control instead of like trying to make a partnership work out that doesn't look like it's going to work out. Harry Kane isn't firing. Uh, players like Dele Ali who have so much flair are being like asked to like just defend and defend and uh, defend and press, which I I think is like a is not a good use of his abilities. Um, he, they they've had some injury issues. I think a lot of players have been in and out. Uh. Some players are still getting used to the starting lineup, like and Dombele. I think he's a good player, but he doesn't have any work rate. So, uh, that I don't think that fits well with uh, Nuno's Nuno's style. Um, but you know, main interest defensively, where Wolves are known to not concede goals, but like Shrey said, nine goals three games is it's not a good look. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I won't be surprised if 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 there's two more losses, they uh, Nuno will be abandoned and Spurs will actually try to get someone there that would be a good fit for this team. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. uh. Tough I also have. I also feel Kane coming back has something to do with their form too. In a good way or a bad way? In a bad way, to be honest. I mean, uh, I think Kane was not around in the first three games they won, or, or probably he was in the third game. Sub as a sub, but, I think, in the third game. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have a senior player who's not happy, you start uh, to lose the dressing room as well. So he has that impact on the team for sure. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, he's an influential player, and when you have an influential player who's not happy, it takes a toll on the team as well. I think so, uh, Kane would also not like he would be unhappy to let like, go from the prospect of playing for for Pep Guardiola to go to playing for a defensive manager like Nuno. But like, especially given that he played for like a personality like Jose Jose Mourinho right before this, so I think if someone like Conte comes in, even. Kane might get a boost, even though Conte is a defensive manager. He obviously has like a lot more clout than Nuno. Yeah, well, would Conte want to come to Spurs? I mean, that's a big. Yeah, that's, that's a big Speaking of uh, managers, there might be a manager available. A certain Dutch manager might be available. Uh, former Everton manager and might be available <laughs> in the in the in the next month or so. He might be available, and there's a crisis to talk about as well, which we might have to. But uh, yeah, and that, that might that, there might be there might be something there as well. I'm sure but, Kane uh, will go on a different strike if that happens. I'm pretty sure oh Kane, will, Kane will stop training. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I don't think Kane has a problem with the manager. I think it's it's the problem with the club. He plays for Southgate for England, so he should not be complaining for for managers as such. Whoa. But I think Tottenham screwed him big time, and that's where his problems are. And they should have let him go. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a conversation. That's a bigger, deeper conversation, isn't it? Should they let him go in January? I think they should probably let him cut their losses and let him go in January. Basically, probably. just talk to yep. City and yeah. be like, you know, this is the money that we want. Just pay it and let let let's call it a day. But I don't know. 
Yep. Uh, I think uh, the point you that that you brought up is actually valid. They they have run out of steam, mm-hmm. and Madison was never a player who would carry the team on his shoulder. He's not a big big player like uh, Ronaldo or, or or the others, right? Yes. So you would expect uh, the team to contribute to help him out. Uh, the, I think what one of the major reason behind running out of steam is when they see the difference between the top four and them. Like they've been shooting for top four and then they fit. Uh, fail narrowly, but this this season, if you look at the top four, you would find a, a, a huge difference between quality uh, of Leicester and the other fours. So I think there's low less inspiration now because they have given their best for two two years and they have fallen short, and then the other teams have strengthened hugely. So uh, that's playing a part. Plus, uh, Wardy is struggling. I mean, he's scoring, but he's not scoring as much as he u- he's used to. He's scoring on both ends. That's maybe his problem. He's scoring too much. He's scoring on both ends. <laughs> yes, that too. So I think that that's where uh, it is. It's not just Madison. It's the whole team that has run out of gas. They, they need to... Uh, uh, they have been overachieving, to be honest. And, yeah, I mean... The only thing with motivation, though, sometimes when you win a trophy, sometimes that kills your motivation a little bit as well because you think you've achieved something, right? And then that may seem like, okay, you know, we've done this. And sometimes it takes a while to recover from winning a trophy. It's not every player that has a hunger to win trophies, right? Some players don't always have that hunger to win trophies every season. Um, I also feel, you know, what was Swiss point about inspiration? I think I don't think that United are that far ahead of the other teams, uh, aside from the, you know, they are they're very far behind the Liverpool and City and, and Chelsea. They're not that far out of Leicester. The only key difference, I think, Leicester probably have a better midfield uh, and they probably have a better defence as well, actually, to be honest, uh, you know, when, when on form. But I think it's that strike force that kind of masks those differences. I, I do think that sometimes you do on reputation, you think United are much better than they are. But, you know, I don't think Rogers is a very inspiring manager, to be honest. I don't think he inspires. He's a tactical genius. I think he's very good tactically. He's probably better than Oli tactically. He's got that. But I don't think he inspires. I don't think when things go against him, He's someone who can kind of rise about that and make you feel like, you know what, you're better than you actually are. But anyway, uh, I guess we'll see how they do this. They've got a big game against Palace. We're also doing very well. Um, you know, and, and hopefully that will, uh, maybe maybe we'll see how that, that turns out. Maybe we might be talking at Palace as a potential European contender as well, but we'll see. Um, all right, moving on to the big game, Liverpool against Manchester City. And I mean, this this is a big game and I would have probably talked about it much in the context um, going into from the Chelsea game would have been much different for this one, but then they had that PSG game. Um, and we'll talk about individual battles, but uh, I mean, Suresh, just talking about the fact if City do beat Liverpool, uh, they've beaten Chelsea, they've beaten Liverpool, does that make them firm favourites for the title then, if they've done that against the top two contenders? No, I, I don't think so. It's still a three-horse uh, race if, if you are counting it. United out. I would not count United out to be honest, but if you are, then it's still a, a tight three race for sure. You know, I, I know it's going to be three, but I still meant that like, would they be the firm favorites? I mean, you know, and but I mean, I guess I understand this still time, but uh, yeah, I mean, I get your point as well. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's it's gonna be a yes if if City wins against Liverpool, which I don't think they will, but if they do, uh, it comes down to games against lower oppositions, which which City is. Uh, finding it difficult to break down or break down the teams which are defensively set. Yeah, I think that, that so, is the key point as well, Sile, because they've only scored one goal in their last uh, three games, I believe, and that was a deflected goal against Chelsea. Um, they're having problems goal scoring. I don't know if it's a lack of a striker. I know we keep saying striker, striker, striker. Uh, as you say, one goal in the three games not involving that uh, one against Wickham because they did score six against Wickham actually, but. Um, we keep saying striker, but is it actually just a striker issue or is there something much deeper? 
I think the striker issue was kind of solved last season, right? Like Pep Guardiola, like City was scoring regularly last season, even when they didn't play with the striker. Like uh, Jesus was dropped, um, uh, Aguero wasn't starting. So I think it it might be something else. Um, or maybe it is just that teams are figuring them out, or like the players he's starting in the in the striker role. Like last time, it was Sterling against PSG, and Sterling had a, didn't have a good game against PSG. He's also like not the most prolific in terms of like. Uh, involved like he's he's i, I think uh, Sterling's pretty good at at tapping for like doing the other stuff uh of, of a striker right like uh like basically uh like involving like uh, dragging a defender along with him to make run to make space for others like no one would really like Sterling doesn't have that have that kind of a physical presence I, I guess he's better at like being at the end of runs being at the end of balls or making runs himself to to latch on to so i guess maybe the profile of players he's starting might be an, an issue especially against a team like liverpool where uh band you would back Van Dijk to win all battles against against any of the players uh city start in the uh in, in the center forward position so i think it might be just that the i guess when Phil Foden or Kevin De Bruyne who he played in that in that role they might have better influence because they seem they seem to be more intelligent uh in, in in terms of how they play not, not i'm not saying that Sterling is not a good player he's pretty intelligent as well but in in a different way but in a in a false time role i think uh Foden Ferran Torres or De Bruyne might be better but I don't think De Bruyne is ever going to start there again because uh, um, he seems like uh, he's a lot better in that uh, number eight role. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the interesting thing was that they got a lot of goals last season from midfield. I think Gundogan was their top scorer last season. And yeah. They also got lots of goals from John Stones, from Ruben Diaz. So those yeah. are the ones that really prop those goals, are the ones that prop them up. They're not getting that right now. So maybe that is a bigger issue. I think more than just not having a striker. But uh, I just talk about Liverpool as uh, race because as good as Liverpool are going forward, they are still conceding goals uh, in the backline. So it's not a secure backline as such. Um, and is that going to be a problem for Klopp? I mean, consider let's just see. Don't score a lot of goals, but even if one or two goals might be enough if they keep if they if they keep going that way. Yep, I think uh, they need to identify a, a standard uh, centre back to partner with Van Dijk. They have been rotating. They have been trying Matip. They have been trying Kanote. Uh, so uh, they need to figure that out. And once that is done, uh, they should be fine. Uh, they, I mean, Robertson and uh, Arnold is is fixed starters if they are fit. And then Van Dyke is is a is a first uh, name on the team as well. So they just need to identify their four defender. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, that should be a solid four. Once they start playing together, they they should not have any problems with that. Yeah, that will be. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, the lack of syndrome. I mean, there's Joe Gomez as well, but apparently he's he's another Jack Wilshere in terms of injuries, so he keeps getting injured every few months. Yep. So, so yeah, yep. not as much as Joel Matip maybe, but I think uh, they've got. Yeah, I think they've got three injury-prone centre backs in Matip, Konate, and uh, Gomez. So it's uh, it's very interesting to see who actually can partner with Van Dijk long term. I mean, side, but talking about the we talked about the midfield. Uh, Curtis Jones got another four assists against Porto. I know this Porto is not the biggest opposition, but uh, as I was saying, I think that in the last result, those that midfield, we always talked about that midfield doing the, the grunt work and then the fullbacks were attacking, but it seems to have changed now where the midfield is actually contributing towards goals. Yeah, definitely. I was actually very impressed with Curtis Jones. Yeah, and this came in the game before that as well. I thought against, uh, against mm-hmm. I think he did well against Brentford from what I remember. He didn't have, mm-hmm. like, he had, he had a decent game. Um, so I think he's uh, he's taking a real claim for himself uh, as someone who's like more attacking than than uh, then I guess you could say that he's replacing Manaldum in the team now that Harvey Elliott's uh, injured for a while. So so obviously like he seems to have more quality on the ball. Uh, I guess uh, he uh, his runs are more more attacking. Uh, Manaldum was also capable of those runs, but he never did those did those at Liverpool. 
but we could see that in the Netherlands team. But uh, Jones seems to be seems to be have been given the freedom to make those runs um to 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 operate higher up the pitch. Um, so I think Fabinho is also very crucial. Uh, Fabinho uh, uh, being there allows all these players to uh, to operate uh, higher higher than they than they did last season. With Fabinho was playing either mm-hmm. centre back or he was injured. So yeah, Liverpool's midfield seems a lot more uh productive this season uh, compared to like my uh, previous seasons. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our front three is also firing goals in. Yeah. So, it looks like the Liverpool, this looks like we're back in 2019 again. I mean, yeah. I'll forget that COVID ever happened. But uh, anyway, uh, on that note, Chris, what's your prediction for this one? Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 to Liverpool. And I go with nil only because uh, Pep hasn't sorted out his offense yet. One thing we, we have ignored in our discussion is Ferran Torres. He started the initial games and they were free-flowingly scoring goals. And then for some reason, he's on bench for all the games. And that's where I, mean, uh, I believe... Is... I think there was an no, he's, he's been on bench. He's uh, been on bench and he hasn't come on. Right? Like but he hasn't come start. on as a substitute either. No, he prefers up Foden over him uh, for some reason. So I, I I think there's something fishy going on there, to be honest. I mean, Pep and Torres has some issues. That's why he's benched because I haven't played anywhere. It's an injury thing. But uh, they were scoring fine when he was starting yeah. as a striker, mm-hmm. false nine. So mm-hmm. I think that's the reason uh, they have an issue. But that's just me. Uh, I'm going to go with 2-0 to Liverpool. Yeah, I just assume Ferran Torres will start against Liverpool because, I mean, why would you not start? Like I said, I mean, you said this. Like the, Of all the players that they have, the most striker-like player that they have is probably Ferran Torres. He's probably the one with the closest attributes to be a striker. So anyway, I just yep, said he will start, so I just left it. That's where the slump has uh, coincided with Ferran Torres not starting and City yeah, not scoring. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a, there's an issue there, um, but we'll see if he, if he has been selected for Spain or not, because that generally is a good ind- indicator as well of where the player's fitness is at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Sail, uh, your prediction? Uh, I think this game will also depend on how James Milner copes with whatever City put at him. Uh, probably Jack Grealish on, on that flank, but the card is I think it will be a two-one to Liverpool. They should be able to. I think the defensive uh, uh like defensive centre back pairing should be enough for whatever striker City plays. You think uh, Alexander Arnold won't start? Against, uh... he, he's out injured till the international oh, break. Yeah, oh, so it's Milner. Oh, okay. oh, that sucks. Oh, well, yeah, then that might be an interesting one if James yeah. Milner is going to start. Generally, he seems to pull something good out. Though. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, he's plays on the right. So he'll probably be coming up against, uh, not Foden. Foden probably plays on the right. So Grealish. Coming in Grealish, yeah. Grealish. We'll see how Grealish does that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's had an okay season against, I guess, so far. But uh, yeah, Grealish is not the fastest. So I don't think Milner will be caught for pace. I think it will be more. Uh, trickery and, and and anticipation. So we'll see. Um, you know what? I picked a draw again for City against Chelsea and then City won. So I don't think I'm going to go with a draw this time. I think I'll pick a winner, uh, even though it's, it's a good chance there may not be a winner in this one. But uh, it's hard. Who do you pick to win? Who do you want to win? And who do you pick to win? Um, you know what? <laughs> it's difficult to say. You know what? I'll, I'll go with City. I'll just go with City. Um, I'll, I'll go 1 0 to City again. Just, I mean, you know, the, you guys have picked Liverpool, so I'll just go with City just to be different. But I honestly doesn't matter. It's one of those games where whoever wins, you lose. Uh, it's one of those if you're not a fan of either team. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll go one of the city just, just for that. Uh, a deflected goal from Raheem Sterling is what I'm saying because after all the criticism mm-hmm. that he's in India, that's what's going to happen. He's going to get a deflected goal that goes in. But anyway, that's epic. Uh, you know, this will be a couple of... Uh, one, one last question for all of you guys before we uh, end up. Who would be your fantasy Premier League picks, uh, player, player pick? If you had to pick one player, uh, if you want to suggest one player that, that, uh, that folks should pick. The fantasy Premier League. Uh, we'll start with you, Sahil. Who do you think? Uh, do you, let, me, let me just look at the pictures. Give me one second. Uh, no, 
Oh, well, we just went through all the fixtures, but okay. Yeah. See, see, that's uh, I think, research. Uh, <laughs> I want to say Rahul Jimenez, uh, uh, they're playing Newcastle. I would back anyone against Newcastle to score. So Rahul Jimenez, um, or yeah, that's my pick. Rahul Jimenez, uh, stressed? I'm going to go with Lukaku. Lukaku. Mm, well, Chelsea are playing Southampton. So yeah, maybe that's a good bet as well. Lukaku. It's a walk in the park, right? So. <laughs> it's a walk in the park. It is a walk in the park. Uh, well, I'm looking at the fixtures too. Um, I'm trying to think because I normally, uh, you know what? Pick a Burnley defender because I think Norwich will not score a goal. So we'll get points for clean sheet. You might get a goal from a corner or something as well. Pick a Burnley defender. Pick a, who do Burnley have defenders? I have. Pick a Burnley defender. Pick a defender from Burnley. You might get lucky because nobody's going to pick a defender from Burnley for the team probably. So, you know what? Pick a Burnley defender. See, see, see how that goes. Maybe maybe it'll be a clean sheet. will get points for that at least. So, and that's definitely my pick uh, for uh, for uh, for the event for this weekend. So, anyway, on that note, uh, thank you. Well, don't make them captain though if you want to, but uh, you can pick them. But anyway, on that note, thank you so much, Sahil. Thank you so much, Face, for joining me on the show today. Uh, really uh, glad to have your insights. Uh, it was your first uh, appearances for the season as well. So, you know, you've got yeah. that picked up as well. Yeah, you guys are like, uh, yeah, so it's yeah. great to have you and hopefully we'll have you in future shows yeah, as well. Good to be here. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, thank you so much for watching this show. If you did enjoy it, please remember to like, share and subscribe to this channel. Um, you know, share in your comments as well. What do you think is going to happen this season? What do you think are going to be the score predictions and all of that? Do you think we got them on point? Do you think we were wrong? Let us know. Uh, we'll be back with the review show, uh, most likely. So we'll be there. And then, of course, this is the last one before we have an international break coming up and so you know we'll be taking a bit of a two-week off from football which uh, is good and bad in both cases but anyway on that note thank you so much take care have a good day or night whatever time you're watching this all the best to your teams for this weekend and uh, we'll see you again soon bye-bye lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.